0: You're listening to the She is Fierce radio show. She is Fierce connects women to each other and their dreams. You'll meet incredible women who all have one thing in common. They took a leap. They've got passion. They're on a mission. They're doing exciting and rewarding things. And they want to help you take your big leap. And now your host, She is Fierce founder, Kelly Youngs. everyone, this is Kelly Young's founder of She Is Fierce and host of the She Is Fierce podcast. Today is a historic day in the United States of America. It is the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. On this day, a hundred years ago, some women were afforded the right to vote in a country that prides itself on acknowledging the worth of every citizen some women, not all. I think it is important for us today to remember and acknowledge that there are many living people who can easily remember the day that black and brown women were finally granted the right to vote under the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And today, in the spirit of celebrating groundbreaking women, I am so happy to share a She Is Fierce talk from the incredibly fierce, Debbie Powers. As you'll hear, Debbie has always had that fierce spirit and has followed her heart and her love of basketball since childhood. Even as adults encouraged her to become a cheerleader for the boys or to act more normal. She went on to play college sports before Title IX, to coach high school and college athletes during the first years of Title IX, and to play in one of the first female professional basketball leagues. Oh yeah, and she is also a mom, a wife, a teacher, an author, and much more. I hope you will listen to her uplifting story of what a woman can bring to life with passion and determination, but also turn your ear to the recent history that she shares. When I played sports in high school and college almost 20 years ago, athleticism in women was celebrated we all owe a debt of gratitude to women like debbie who helped to pave the way for young girls who can follow their hearts whether they love to play ball to dance to read or to build robots i hope you enjoy listening to debbie's story as much as i did
1: So, a nine-year-old girl ran up and down the playground basketball court. Her ponytail swayed and bounced as she dribbled, passed, shot, and defended. She wore Chuck Taylor Converse high-top sneakers, handed down from her brother. Her teammates were the neighborhood boys, who always included her as one of their own. She exulted in the exertion of the sweat her body moving around the court, and the feeling of accomplishment when her shot sailed through the basket. I'm going to play on the school team, she declared. I'm going to be an Olympian, and maybe even a pro player, she boasted all the time. But when it came time for the tryouts, for the girls, or for the school team, in elementary, middle school, and high school, it wasn't to be. There were no teams for girls, and she was not allowed to play on the boys' team. The boys wanted her on their team. We'd win more if you were on the team. In fact, you're the best player in the school. But the adults around her said, you can be the cheerleader. You can cheer for the boys. She hated cheerleading. <laughs> so that young girl sat in the creatures and watched her boy buddies play. Then met them later on the neighborhood floor for a pickup game. She cried when she went to bed tonight at night, and in the quiet of her room, she said her prayers. She begged God to turn her into a boy overnight so she could play on a real team. That little girl was me. In the 1950s and 60s, the social climate for a female athlete was completely different than it is today. There were some areas in the country that had girls' sports, but they were basically play days, kind of an uh, accelerated intermural program, and um, girls' sports wasn't really taken seriously. In fact, we were told, I was told, constantly, you are to be quiet, passive, ladylike, like not competitive, and not aggressive. My teachers told me in elementary school, Debbie, you need to be play, playing hopscotch in Four square and June Grove. But I didn't want to do that at all. I would meet the boys and we would play basketball, football, and baseball. It wasn't really considered normal. I was told, it's not normal. I remember when I was about 10 years old, my grandmother gave me a, a doll for Christmas. I finally threw it down and said that I wanted a baseball club. <laughs> she said, you're not normal. <laughs> so we girls, a lot of times were you know, our, our sexual orientation was questioned, they said, heaven forbid if you beat a boy, uh, you'll never ever be their friend if they, if you beat them, and of course you can't get a date, and you'll never marry, because Males have this ego, and if you're able to beat them, they won't like (laughs) you. Well, I was confused because if you turn on television back in the 50s, you saw Donna Reed, Linda the Beaver, Ozzie and Harriet. These women wore aprons, house dresses, high heels, and were vacuuming (laughs) or shopping. (laughs) They never were out in the yard playing with their children, playing ball, kicking a ball, throwing a ball. They platted themselves in a clean only floor and a good meatball. <laughs> I was confused and conflicted because none of that was interesting to me. I remember a kind of a, a ritual back in those days that women or families would gather and watch the Miss America Contest. And I remember our family gathered to watch the Miss America Contest. And I turned to my parents and I said, If I was in the Miss America contest, what would I do for my talent? <laughs> and my mom and dad, without even hesitating, didn't even take their eye off the TV, they said, You shoot free throws. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read about any female athletes in the newspaper. There were some Olympics, of course. They do Olympics. Every four years they had Olympics. And, but the rules of were participating in the Olympics were basically the feminine sports. We had a lot of uh, ice skating and a lot of gymnastics and swimming. Remember Peggy Fleming? Remember Kathy Rigby? They're so pretty and so <laughs> young. They, they didn't have team sports only in the Olympics. In fact, it wasn't until 1964 they finally had women's volleyball in the Olympics. Basketball, which was my sport, didn't really come for 12 more years. So, I don't know why I kept playing, because there really was no future in it. But I loved it. I just loved the game. I loved to compete. And I loved to beat the boys. <laughs> and of course, all of you fierce women out there, you probably had a passion of some type, and you know, you did it. You just did it. So in the, the rain and the snow and the street of Indiana, in the heat, I would go out, I'd shove off the snow in the driveway, and I'd play basketball.
0: And then I'd come inside,
1: and I'd hear screaming from the television, how would you like to be queen for a day? There was some woman getting, putting, putting a uh, dishwasher on her, or a microwave oven or something back, back in those days. I mean, it was very confusing. Well, once I graduated from high school, I went to the Indian University and I was appointed to be a physical education teacher. I mean, also what else would a sports minded woman want to be? That's the only thing that was option to be. Didn't ESPN and you know sports management and so I was going to be a gym teacher. So I walked in the gym the first couple days of college and I saw a sign on the wall that said tryouts for women's basketball. Oh my gosh it was like heaven. I said they have a women's basketball team like a team? Yes So, I went and tried out for the women's basketball team, and I then had four glorious years of playing on that team. I loved sports so much, I even went out for the softball team and the field hockey team, and I played those also. So, I played three sports through college, every year of college. I couldn't get enough of it. But, it was a lot different than the men. And that became quite apparent as I was a participant in the sport. We would watch the men and athletes load the luxury buses and the planes and fly off to the Big Ten somewhere. And we would gather together with our volunteer coach in her station wagon and fly some to Purdue or Notre Dame or Illinois or somewhere to play a game. We had to pack our own sandwiches. We of course paid for our own uniforms, our own shoes. And we played our home games in a little gym in the upstairs of like the intermural building. And all around the wall, there were no bleachers, so the people would come, we'd have some spectators, it we pretty good, and they would line up against the wall and just think this couldn't stand <laughs> the amount, because we had to move them aside and take the ball out of the mountains. If we got any coverage at all. It was typically on the women's pages in the newspaper, like next to the weddings. <coughs> <laughs> like it was like, girl sports is really making a big, big sponge here on campus, you know, like, like there's the weddings and the engagements right afterwards. And since I was the leading scorer on the team, I always got some special words in, in the article. And they would say the reporter would say things like, Come on out, see the blue-eyed cutie floating through the air with a perfect jump shot. (laughs) Or if you can take your eyes off that body floating through the air, you'll see she never misses. Oh. How sexist was that? Can you imagine them writing about women today like that? I mean they didn't talk about men like that. Look at that beautiful trunk body floating (laughs) through the air, you know? That's amazing, <laughs> but we didn't like it. They didn't want to be too peppy. Anyway, when I wrote my book uh, a year ago, the sports reporter that wrote all those articles for the Bloomington newspaper—he's in his eighties now, he's retired—he contacted me and he said, "Debbie, I beg you, please let me write the foreword for your book." Uh, I feel so bad <laughs> about what I said about you and your teammates. And he did. It. I let him, he wrote a beautiful forward for, for my book. So that was amazing. Interestingly, a couple of years ago, Indiana University contacted all of us on that team and invited us back to campus. And they had a big celebration. It was 40 years ago that we went to the Final Four. And they said, you know, we were looking through the archives and like, you girls were the best team we've ever had. And then University university women.
0: And so they had us back
1: to campus and they did the little basketballs so with all that on it. And they turned the lights off in the arena, the arena we didn't ever get to play in, <laughs> and hung the banner and the lights like on and played the school fight song, which they never played at our games, because we never had a band or anybody, and all that. And they gave us Final Four rings. So. <laughs> The good news is uh, we are all still alive. <laughs> that was great. That was really oh good. They waited forty years, and all hard, you know, who knows what they have. <laughs> well, soon after I graduated, right around the time I was graduating, a very special law was introduced called Title IX. Now, is uh, it was not a law about sports. It was a law about educational opportunities. It was a federal law that said that any school, secondary, college, university that had federal funding, had to offer equal opportunities in all activities at the school. Mostly it was revolutionary for women that were trying to get into law school, medical school, like scholarships, grants, and it was you know, about not just gender, it was about uh, uh, Different races and ethnicities and things like that. Well, after the law passed, they soon realized, uh oh, sports is involved in this. So the NCAA lobbied to Congress and said, let's exempt the sports part from Title IX. And they paid a lot of money to pull out the sports from Title IX. But then they said things like, well, you know, Girl sports is going to ruin all men's sports, uh, no one wants to watch girls play sports, and no one really cares about girls' sports. Well, girls did. And so the law passed, and things started happening. Now, at that time, I was, um, I just had gotten my job at Muncie Forsyth High School, in Muncie Indiana, I was the girls' physical education teacher, and since the timeline had passed, they said, you will also coach half of our girls' sports. Because not all for these sports, not for the girls. Now there are only two women's physical education teachers, so she took half of them and I took half of them. So I taught six periods of physical education and he was head coach of the women's volleyball team, the women's basketball team, the women's tennis team, <laughs> and I coached <put> the cheerleaders. <laughs> now that was really good. <laughs> I said, we also do a cheerleading camp. And they go, "Yeah, we did, we did, we did. So I said, good, just do those things. <laughs> I was in my board. I had like, all these little deputies out there running around. <laughs> I was getting to coach them and getting to be with them as their mentor and their leader, and I, was, I just wanted to relay all my competitiveness into them and, and show them what fun it was to play sports and to win and compete and, and enjoy all the attributes of sport has to bring. But it still wasn't equal. You know, they gave uh, schools like four years to comply with the title line. So we still had to share uniforms with the other teams. Like my volleyball team will finish their season, we hand over the uniforms the basketball team. The girls' basketball team, their season's over, we hand them over the track team. The track team was okay enough with the softball team. So we had one set of uniforms. Of course the girls still had to buy their own shoes and, and those kinds of things. We had no warm-ups, we I mean, heaven forbid the guys died five different warm-ups, we had no warmups, And we got that perfect 5.30 a.m. practice time. <laughs> but you know what? We're fierce women. Yes. You know, we endure, we persevere, we get it done. You know, you throw something at us and we're going to take the full, full flight. I know a lot of other women in this room or in other professions, you get the same thing. You were, whatever you were given, you took. So I didn't argue. I didn't have a hard time. I, I was head coach there. Two and two, meters, and two minutes, four minutes, and all that, and everything going on all the time. I took my girls' volleyball team to the state championship. Yeah. They then had state finals. <laughs> awesome. Well, we got down to the state championship in Indianapolis. And the team we had to play for the finals, now this is all one class, we didn't have classes, so it was just one big school, full schools, was a large school from South Bend, Indiana, and their girls volleyball team had allowed two high school boys to play on their girls' team. I mean, they weren't just two boys, they were two big. Athletic boys. One was on the USA Junior Olympic team. Now, if you know anything about volleyball, the net is shorter for girls than it is for men. And so those guys, their entire upper body, was above the net. And when they spike, it was about an 80 mile per hour projectile. Well, Talk about competitive fire. <laughs> I told the girls, I said, I beat boys all the time. <laughs> and I know it's going to happen, but I worked hard to prepare my team for that event.
0: Now I asked you ask, why did
1: they allow that to happen? See, right after the pipeline passed, girls were supposed to have an opportunity to play the sport. So if you were a girl tennis player, and your school still didn't have a tennis team, they say, well, you get to play on the boys' team. Or if you were a golfer, we don't have money at a girls' golf team next year, but you can play the boys' golf team. So the law said you can provide those girls opportunity. And we saw black golf, tennis, and maybe swimming. Well, these boys, in Southampton, they don't have boys' volleyball. And we want to play volleyball. They had 12 other sports they could play, but they want to play volleyball. One young man wanted a scholarship to a major university in men's volleyball. And he got one. he was that good. So anyway, you talk about a raucous feminist-fueled event that was. And to this day, my husband says it was the most exciting athletic event he's ever witnessed in his life. <laughs> my girls, my Mighty going against the team with boys. I know some of you and your in your have read my memoir because it's highlighted in my memoir, and I see some of you whispering to each other already saying, Well, did we win? We did. Yeah. We beat the boys in the state championship, and it went a full three games. best out of three, but the full went down to the final point. You talk about a wild scene. You talk about women in that crowd, you know, jumping and screaming and yelling and, you know, because these boys that invaded our newfound sport. But like, finally, why did I play sports and to play playing our sport? So it was totally amazing. Well, when I finished, when I, after we had on that, match, went back to school, and All really everybody's all site of course. Well, I got the first state championship for girls to that school. They had won one boys' state championship in wrestling, but that was the second total state championship the school won. The principal called me in, and he said, I've heard that you and Jim Powers are engaged. Jim Powers was a special education teacher in the high school. And I said we are. He said, uh, "I'm really, I mean, good, but I'm really sorry because you both can't stay in the school as a married couple. One of you is going to have to leave because we can't have a married couple in the high school you know, same school." I thought,
0: "Is this like the 1800s? <laughs> I
1: feel like I'm living in a whole house on a prairie or something." It's like they said, "Sorry, well." Thankfully, fake havoc, Ball State University, called me and they asked me to come over and interview for the head women's basketball position. I was going on to the university, so so moved back to the university and things were a little bit better, but not great. Um, this was 1976, and so Title the was you know, three four years old. Well, we did get to travel to Waygates with money. However, I had to get my commercial license, driving license, and drive a 15 passenger van. So I would drive all over the Midwest all during the winter and the snow and the sleet and the rain and the blizzards, and and we'd go all drive all, all the way to high university or Kent State, play the game, and jump back in the car and drive back and I'd say, Girls, you've got to keep me awake because I have to drive all the way back. We get back like three in the morning. And of course the men were flying to you know, northern <laughs> Illinois or somewhere. But the most interesting thing was when I went down the first day to check out my equipment that I was I'm the head I'm the new head coach. I um, like seeing the uniforms. They pulled out the away uniforms for my girls' team. Now, at least the girls didn't have to buy them. They were provided. They pulled out the uniforms and they were baby blue. Away, I, away uniforms were baby blue. I said to the equipment manager, I said, I thought all states colors were red and white. And she said, Oh, they are, but it was a sporting goods closeout. Uh So I said, okay. But um I drove the van, I swept the floor, set up the time clock, and we played in an old gym. Didn't get to play in the arena yet. And the gym had a leaky roof, and every time it rained, of course, we had to have buckets on the floor and towels. And sometimes it was raining during the game, so we had like People dribbling around towels and buckets and things like that. But it's okay. We're fierce, mom, We're fierce. You know, this is we're getting to play. You know. Well, about my fourth year of coaching at Ball State, uh, I got pregnant, and it was not good timing because I was due to deliver right in the middle of basketball season, January. At a Super Bowl Sunday, I delivered our first our song. So, well it's women. we had practice. Get back to practice, get back to practice. But um I was also one to breastfeed him, you know? so Jim had to come and bring him.
0: And I still
1: remember at games looking up to see Jim in the very top row with him kind of one <laughs> And I'd say, oh, it's almost halftime. So, we had not be nursing that baby half-time, we not be talking about strategies offenses, and X's and O's and defenses and offenses. Not be nursing that baby. I'll tell you my athletes had a real eye-opener <laughs> on what it was like to balance. Womanhood, motherhood, and a career. And, and that was, that's not bad for that. Wow. So, little Chris traveled with us the rest of the season. Everywhere we went, he was, he was there with, of course, Jimmy. Now, there were some other famous, this is the time, uh, late 70s, there were some other, some famous women athletes emerging at that time, actually. Part Of course, the most famous was Billie Jean King. Billie Jean King was the most visible athlete at the time. But do you know, she had won two Wimbledons? and she was supporting, financially, her law student husband, but she still could not get her own credit card. That was still the times. There were so, she couldn't get a mortgage on a house to get a credit card because she was a woman. Yeah, no, she was two times a woman champion and me of it all was. Well, as I reflect on my experience, if you know mind, I would like to read just a paragraph from near the end of my memoir. Thank goodness we will never go back to the days when boys played and girls barely watched. Today, a little girl can join a soccer, golf, softball, basketball, or volleyball league in most any town. She can play with and compete against other like-minded girls. She can earn an athletic scholarship to play in college. And more important, she can be a respected athlete without facing sexist comments, social prejudices, or unfounded stereotyping. Social norms have finally changed. The process of sport builds leaders. In fact, it can transform a person. The challenges, fears, and doubts faced in competition synthesize into self-confidence, determination, and humility. These traits, along with the lessons of goal setting, loss, and teamwork, carry into the boardroom, the courtroom, the newsroom, the operating room, and science laboratories, venues where women can now excel alongside men. Young girls can aspire to be astronauts, sports reporters, engineers, CEOs, senators, physicians, military generals, television news anchors, architects, and even professional basketball players. They are now exposed to female role models in every facet of life. Witnessing these changes makes me realize I grew up in one world and am now seeing a better one for women. And I want the younger women to understand what it means to persevere and what it means to set goals, and what it means to dream, even though my dreams were not going to be realized. I had dreams that I would be one day be a professional basketball player. And you know what? Eventually, that dream came true. In 1975, I was drafted to the very first women's professional basketball league. Now it was a short-lived league. Um, I was drafted by the Milwaukee Dodge. But I had already found my new mission. And that was I wanted to coach. I wanted to continue coaching. And even though my teachers and people around me uh, said, you'll never marry, I did marry. I found the man who would marry me. <laughs> um, And in a couple months, we celebrate our 40th wedding (laughs) anniversary. Now, so to give you some tips on how to have a long lasting marriage, (laughs) it is don't step onto the tennis court or the basketball court or play ping pong or play golf against. Your husband. We don't do that. Poor guy. Even after we were married, the phone would ring in our house and meet some guys, and they would call and say, Is Deb there? And she would say, No, she's not here. Can I take a message? And Well, we want her to come play basketball with us. And he would say, Well, if you want me. And they say, you "I'll know, just have them fall." So it's put the correction. Basically, we all overcome obstacles in sport. Obviously, I had my own issues and obstacles, but we all face hers. Women. I think the sport will know we've arrived when we hear a little boys say. I want to grow up and be an athlete just like my mommy. I think that will be a great thing for a little more to say. So my final comment to you is never ever ever be afraid to wear comfortable shoes. <laughs>
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. If you did, please take just a moment out of your day to rate and review us. It will help us reach even more women with inspiring stories from fierce women all over the world.